AA Beyond Belief is a podcast by, for, and about people who have found a secular path to sobriety in Alcoholics Anonymous. So a couple weeks ago, I ran across uh, this website, secularovereaters.org, and I was blown away, not just by how well-designed and useful the site was, but how much thought was given to providing a resource for people seeking a secular path in Overeaters Anonymous. And later, um, when discussing the virtual ICSA conference online, I met Jim D., who happens to be from that Overeaters Anonymous group. And I wanted to talk to him, so I asked him to come on the podcast so he could share the story of how all this came to be. And he asked me to invite Jenny, and I'm glad I did, because Jenny is the person that designed and put that site together, which is absolutely amazing. So welcome to you both. Welcome to AA Beyond Belief, Jenny and Jim. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I'd like to know the story of how all this happened. And maybe a good way to begin is to learn your own individual stories about how you got involved with Overeaters Anonymous and how that eventually got you to the point where you would want to start a secular uh, meeting. So who would like to begin? Where should we start? I think we should start with Jim because he's been in OA longer than I have. All right, Jim. (laughs) Yeah, my dear Alphonse. Um, So... um, Actually, in Overeaters Anonymous, I'm, I mean, I'm a particular kind. There are all kinds of people in it. I got a little bad treatment. My mom was in a tough place. My dad was just back from combat in the South Pacific. And um, I got a little harsh treatment early on. I was a skinny little kid. I was an athlete. I didn't really have a problem with food. Many people in OA talk about having a problem with food really from the get-go, you know? Uh, mine, I, I was an athlete, so I ate a lot, but I, you know, was active and I, I turned to alcohol, uh, when I was, uh, second half of my senior year and was a blackout binge drunk for, I don't know, seven or eight years, played football in college, ended up joining the Marine Corps like my dad had. And it was only when I came back from combat that I, I realized I had another year to do. I had volunteered to go in and, um, I, when I reported back for duty, I just switched <laughs> from drinking to overeating. I, I, we can talk about how my, it was a pretty serious drinking thing that I did, but I didn't go to program to switch it. So I just switched over to eating, but I put on about 70 pounds in a year and a half. And I've been fighting for 50 years to get it off and keep it off. And in 1988, about after about 20 years of that, I came, well, actually that's not interesting. I went to one OA meeting early and didn't stick. And then about 1988, I joined and I've been coming to at least a couple of meetings a week ever since. And it's been hard because I was an atheist always. I'm a, you know, that's my mixed politics too much, but I'm a social change activist type person. And so it was always a struggle. I mean, I had a sponsor who'd been in forever, abstinent, we call it forever. Told, he really believed that God had written the big book. That science had science had proved, he told me. I've got a PhD. You know, <laughs> science has, has, <laughs> has proved that Bill W. could not have written it, so he had it had to be written by God. Uh oh, that guy's dangerous. <laughs> well, and I, you know, so it's been a struggle for those years. But on the other hand, probably a lot like AA. I've been to a few AA meetings, and I sort I've got my own drunk log, but. You know, I went to that AA meeting, OA meeting, and it was like, you know, people were talking about eating food out of trash cans and eating until they threw up and eating when they shouldn't, you know, just having that craziness around food. So I knew from the minute I walked in that I was uh, 
an overeater and that these were my peeps, as they say these days. Um, and so I've got kept going to meetings and struggling with the God bit. I've had trouble maintaining abstinence, I think, in part because of that. It was hard. How could I identify with a group of people who I, you know, had oftentimes really strange thoughts about? And so it was wonderful to find your website and to begin to learn about the secular community um, in um, uh, AA. My dad was in AA for 35 years. And a, a young a, a woman friend of mine from activist life, you know, I said, uh, she, oh, geez, you're looking good, Jim. You lost a lot of weight. And I said, well, and she said, how do you do? And I said, well, in OA. And she said, oh, I can't do that. It's all about God. I said, no, no, there are secular meetings, the AAs, there are hundreds of these meetings, you can do it. And she said, oh, great. Is there one around here? I said, no. And she said, well, you'll start one for me, won't you? And so I did. And she's now been pretty much clean on her food for over a year. And I've started, I think this is the third, I've started three meetings in the last year or so. And, and, and finally being able to do service above kind of the group level. Yeah. You know, they say in OA, we say service is slimming, which isn't kind to anorexics and bulimics because we have all kinds of different eating crazinesses. But it it is the fact that I'm now involved in trying to set up meetings and work with people more because it's a group of people I can relate to and identify with has been a big thing. And, you know, you deserve a lot of you know credit for that. I appreciate your, your being there. And I guess to... Yeah, just to segue it a little bit, unless you want to go further in mind, to Jenny, at, at one point I went on, and on the OA website, there is a drop-down. OA.org is the main OA website, and there is a listing for meetings for atheists and agnostics. And at one point, I just went, after I had started to set one up, maybe in the process, I looked at, the other, there were three, there were like five, I think four of which turned out to be active at the time, and I called up Jenny just to say, hey, you know, you're, you're listed as a contact for one of these meetings. I'm listed for another. And that's how I got connected with Jenny. And so Jenny, you started, a, you started a meeting separate of the meetings that Jim was running. Uh, no, I'm, um, I, maybe I'll just talk a little bit about my background with my compulsive eating. And I was also like a regular size child. I didn't, um, have like a weight issue, but I always, always, considered myself to be now looking back a sugar addict like sugar was my main thing I mean I go trick-or-treating I'd eat that bag of candy within 24 hours and my family you know felt like sugar's unhealthy so it wasn't around a lot and anytime we would get into the house like the whole family would just binge we'd take like you know the half gallon of ice cream there were four of us and divide it into four bowls and eat the whole thing we all had you know the sugar thing but you know my mother really tried to keep us away from that. And I come from a family of addicts. I've got at least, I've got one grandparent on either side who's an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. My grandmother was um, probably 200 pounds overweight. So the addiction, you know, gene is just in there. And um, I started having a real problem with sugar in particular, when I hit 30 and my relationship dissolved, I had been uh, kicked out of the family by my mother. We had just had like a big earthquake in California and things were like up in the air. It just, it was a really tumultuous time. And uh, when I moved out 
from the apartment I was sharing with my partner, I just started taking care of myself by eating and sugar, junk food, whatever. And I just gained a ton of weight. And that kind of started three decades of dieting, um, going to therapy, talking about food, joining like, you know, fat as a feminist issue kind of groups about food, just to try and, you know, figure out how can I deal with this? And I just really thought it was that I didn't have enough willpower. I just, you know, there's something really wrong with me. And I finally got to this really desperate point. Um, I was 56, I'm 61 now, where I was so depressed by all this food stuff. And also so many physical things were happening. I was pre-diabetic. I had high cholesterol. I had horrible back aches. I had plantar fasciitis. I could barely, you know, I couldn't move very well. Um, I was really, you know, physically and mentally sick at that point. And I had heard about OA, but I just felt like I can't do that. You know, I had um, a real bias against 12-step programs to begin with. And also, I don't believe in God. I'm also a lifelong atheist. And it's just like, I can't do this. And, um, but I was desperate. And they say, you know, these 12-step programs are the last house on the block. And I went, and the first meeting I went to was a big book study group. And I didn't know what a, what the big book was. And I'm like, why are all these people with eating problems supposedly reading about alcoholics? I mean, I just, this place is not for me. And I just like ran out of there. And luckily someone chased after me and said, you know, you should try at least five other meetings before you decide whether OA is right for you. And I did. And one of those five meetings turned out to be this Freethinker meeting that had already been started only like by a month or something. And the woman who started it um, based it off of a uh, OA Freethinker meeting in San Francisco. So there had been at least one other in San Francisco. And she had two meetings and we met in her um, community room of her uh, condo complex and started from there. Then she ended up moving to England after like six months. And so we had to find a new place to meet. And so this other man and I kind of like, you know, took over, um, trying to get our meeting started. And in the beginning, there were only like two to four people there. Um, but I did not start, I can't take credit for starting that meeting, but I do take some credit for keeping it going. Um, so so what's the what's the main difference? I'm, I'm assuming um, OA is like AA, they open with prayers, close with prayers. Is that is that the primary difference between a secular OA meeting and a non-secular meeting? Um, I'll just say that in my meeting, we opened with, a free thinker version of the 12 steps. We didn't know we weren't supposed to do this. I think, you know, I have, I did contact you about a year ago about our, we almost got delisted over this. Because and you're reading those steps that you guys wrote yourself. We didn't write them ourselves. They were previously written by the San Francisco group and they got it from the San Francisco AA free thinkers. So we just changed the word alcohol to food or whatever in that. So they, they had already existed. Um, so we didn't, you know, we don't start with, we didn't start with prayers or anything. We, one of the great things about that meeting, um, and sorry, Jim, I know I'm talking so much, was that no. um, the description said that it reframed from religious and patriarchal language. I'm like, this is the group for me, you know? Um, I'm a feminist, and I just, I, I, that's the other thing. I just couldn't take that language. Yeah, yeah, the language from the big book. It is, it is curious that OA would use the big book. They don't use the book, big book everywhere. There are big book meetings, but then we also have literature that OA has since created. Okay. You know, John, I, I do feel I, I wanted to give a little plug to OA in the sense that 
OA was started by um, a woman, Roseanne S., who um, went with a friend to a Gambler's Anonymous meeting and just claimed um, that it was like, wait a minute, this is me. You know, it, it was about a different behavior. But she said, these people are about gambling the way I am about food. And so she hooked up with a guy, I forget, he had, I think his name was Jim also. And, but from the beginning, she was an agnostic and she wrote her own steps. And I was just looking at them, the original steps that she wrote, uh, the 10th step was have a food plan because because <laughs> for sobriety, it's different. You know, you, you can just give up alcohol, but you can't give up eating. And so having some kind of a plan is pretty, pretty important. But anyhow, from the very beginning, he was this agnostic uh, Jew um, who started this thing. And it was only when they, a couple of years later, there was some tension between her and the more religiously oriented folks. And they had this famous meeting where there were five religious folks and four psychology based folks. And so they went with the, they decided, well, we'll just use the AA 12 steps and substitute the word. But, and there have been agnostic or free thinker meetings in OA from the beginning. Um, I was told by somebody in New York, there was one in the 70s. From the 60s, that psychological group from that originally got started, there were a number of, you know, kind of psychologically based groups using the 12 steps, but, you know, talking about, not talking about God or religion. Um, and so it's always kind of been there. And by the time I went in and found, went on that list, there were five that were listed. Some of them identify as unconventional spirituality and try and make an attempt to be more welcoming to people who don't fit into the Christian Jewish kind of tradition, you know, different pagan, uh, North, you know, North Native American, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever. And then the, the name we've sort of adopted is secular. And, and many of us are more atheist, you know, more non-spiritual, more materialistic, psychological. And so there were four and I, five, there were five listed, four that I could get in touch with and counting me. And Jenny and I were just going over before this. There are now 14 and that's only really in the last year and a half or so, largely because of the Zoom meetings during the pandemic. So that people who are, there aren't a lot of us and we could find ourselves online, whereas creating a, a meeting from scratch face to face you know, it's always a little bit hard and always a much smaller fellowship than um, a, they're about, I was looking there about, they claim 6,500 meetings and 60,000 folks around the world. So, so OA was never really resistant to, to the idea of a secular, secularly formatted meeting. <laughs> the expression Jenny, is, Oh no. Jenny, that's, <laughs> Jenny that's, your, that's, a, that's a softball for you. <laughs> no. So, I mean, we, it, you know, you can, um, I mean, we found out the hard way. We thought that we could use outside literature. So we were actually reading uh, AA Agnostica's Do Tell. You know, we would like read one of those stories like every week and have a discussion. Um, and we were reading these, you know, alternative steps. And we didn't know that we couldn't do this. And then after three and a half years of doing this, uh, somebody squealed on us to our you know, region chair. And then she talked to our intergroup person and said, you know, is this true? And then he showed up at one of our meetings and it's like, yes, it is. And we had like a, you know, three to four month long process where 
we were going to get kicked out of OA if we continued to do that. And um, they have a line that when you sign your group up, it says that you agree to practice the 12 steps and 12 traditions of OA. And we felt like we were practicing them. We weren't reading the exact version, but we were definitely practicing the intent. And it turns out that there are these bylaws and all this other stuff that you just don't know about, you know, that like they bring to the forefront when this kind of stuff happens. And so, um, you know, they, they told us that um, our choice, what, what the choice was is that we could either read their steps, which there was no way we were going to do, or read no steps at all. And I'm like, this is a 12-step program. How can you get recovery if we're not even talking about the steps? And so we made the choice with our meetings. We, I have, we have two Freethinker meetings. We were two of the four that Jim was talking about. Um, we decided that we would not read the steps, um, any of them. And we've actually splintered off and we have like a non-OA approved step study group that we um, meet once a month and we read other books and talk about alternative steps. You know, it's interesting about those steps. Um, our group, when we started our secular group in Kansas City, we did not open reading the steps either. However, we did have the traditional, regular, original 12 steps hanging on the wall. And we did for a long time until a woman came in who was so offended by the just seeing the language of the, that's written in those steps that we had to take them down because it made her so uncomfortable, you know? And uh, so, so, so we, we removed them. But we never really gave them much attention. They were just hanging on the wall because we thought that's what you, that's what you do, right? You hang these steps on the wall. You know, you know John, I want to, the other thing I should give props to is I managed to find just by accident, you know, a lot, somewhat by accident, uh, an agnostic atheist sponsor around the same time a couple of years ago. Uh, his name's Alan S. And it's very, very helpful. He tells a story. I mean, he's one of the, there are many stories in a way. He weighed 350 pounds. I mean, people who just really, there's a guy in one meeting I go to 400 pounds this morning, uh, a morning. But anyway, he tells a story of going to a meeting, walking in, it was in a Christian church. He was raised, he was raised Jewish. Um, there was, they opened with a prayer. They talked about Jesus Christ being the road to abstinence. And he, he just, he, he fled, he ran away and he stayed, he overate for another seven years, you know, 300 pounds, you know, and then I don't know why exactly he went back to give it one more try. And this time, like me, he happened to go to a, you know, that had that feeling. But he went to a meeting where it, it wasn't in a church. It didn't have the steps posted. And, you know, he was able he's been in for 30 for 35, I don't know, 32 years now. Yeah, it does make a difference to have an environment where someone's comfortable. And where it's comfortable for everybody. Well, yeah. And I just, the other thing I want to add is kind of building on, we're early in this process relative to you. In other words, there have been other um, meetings, but they weren't ever connected to my knowledge with each other. And at some point, Jim will tell the story of the website, but, you know, we're now trying to get together and how can we support each other? And I'm, I started a meeting where we there aren't enough sponsors. We're getting all these new people and people who've relapsed who find out, oh my gosh, there's a secular meeting I can go to. And we don't have enough sponsors who are secular. So I'm doing a, every Monday noon, we have a meeting where a different sponsor comes in and just talks for a while about one of a topic, one of the steps or setting up a food plan. Um, and so this, the notion of 
how do we relate to the larger fellowship is still a lot up in the air. And the, the approach that we've been taking, and it hasn't been, if I say it here publicly, they probably somebody's probably listening. But what we do is we have our meeting for 45 minutes. And in one meeting, for somebody else wanted it, we actually do read conference-approved literature. In another, we don't read anything we just share. Um, and at the end of 45 minutes, you say, okay, the OA meeting is over. Now we're going to socialize, and we're going to socialize by, by doing the daily musing from beyond belief. Oh, interesting. Clever. We talk about a secular reading, and it you know, just open. You can always speak as a secular, secular person in the first part, but we kind of keep a loose kind of, you know, this is an OA meeting, and we want to be a little thoughtful. And for example, I try and share our website in the, se- in the last 15 minutes because it has a variety of secular um, uh, resources. Whether that compromise will eventually, it'll get up to the trustees and how that'll, we, we don't know yet. It is interesting how, how you had those meetings, but they were kind of independent of each other, not really aware of one another. And are you now kind of coming together? And, and, and is the website helping with that, Jeannie? Jenny. Jenny, um, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, you know, I really think we have another member. It was Arlene, right, who started the OA Secular Forum, or you and Jim and Arlene did that? We, we point the finger at each other, but yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a Google group. So people kind of, that happened before the website. Um, I mean, I, you know, it's kind of like a bunch of us are trying to, we recognize that there's this huge need for secular people. So we're kind of acting a little bit independently, but then also, you know, trying to act together. Um, and we just did our Freethinker meetings kind of started like a, we did a, Thanksgiving Thankathon, where we invited all the people from all the meetings to come. And we had like 47 people and we are a West Coast group and at least half of them were not in the Pacific time zone. I mean, they were from other places. And the other thing, this, I don't know if this is a segue or this makes sense, but is that our meetings, our face-to-face meetings, we would have like eight to 12 people, you know, and now we've got like almost 40 every time. And so, and these are people who are like, you know, the one person in Arkansas, you know, it's just like, everybody's like coming together and it's just really starting to bloom. And I mean, I, I hate that we're having this pandemic, but it's really helped our organization. Isn't that interesting? I think that's true for the recovery community. And it's doing the same thing with the secular AA community as well. People are say, oh, I can finally get to one of these meetings or are they learning about these meetings for the first time? I think it's going to change 12-step um, culture, possibly. I do want to put a, a footnote on, I, I, th- I would say we're pretty committed to staying in OA. I mean, here you get 60,000 people who are out of their minds about food. And, you know, what are you going to do? Set up competition with Weight Watchers or something, you know, advertising. So we, we found we're, there are a bunch of us who found recovery uh, in OA. Some would put more emphasis on the 12 steps and, and others would put more emphasis maybe just on the social support thing. But so we're, we want to stay in the we contribute money to we want to stay connected to the larger um, the larger fellowship. But I just, I can imagine that there are going to be, you know, some tensions going forward because there is my, I have a 
guy, another, we have this wonderful men's OA group. It's not agnostic here outside DC. And he says, you know, if somebody, if somebody say, you know, guts clean on food using the 12 steps and with God in it, and here you come along, they think God saved them. And then here's a bunch of people come along and say, well, no, it's not God. There is no God, you know, blah, blah, blah. They think, oh, well, they're trying to, they're trying to kill me. They're trying to kill people like me and I have to kill them before they kill me, <laughs> you know? And so, and this is somebody who's been at the highest level in OA things. And it's, so there's, there'll be some tensions, but I'm, I'm optimistic. And, and I'm, I, I love, that's why I love coming to this group and hearing about how you guys have figured out. Although I noticed there is John H's, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny we have a whole group of people that want to leave AA, but they they never actually leave. They <laughs> they, just, they, they just talk about how they want to leave. Okay, um, I have a question for. Go ahead, Jenny. Jenny. No, and I just wanted to say Jenny. one thing about um, the secularovereaters.org website is that for me, um, I really wanted to have a place where we could put non OA approved things so that people could find them because I am not able to find recovery with the material and the literature that is available in OA. It is so God heavy, you know, it's telling you with, you know, step four, it's suggested that you get on your knees and pray to have, you know, your defects of character removed. I mean, it's, I, I can't take it. It's like, uh, you know, barf the whole time. And so really trying to find a way where people who are secular can find other resources. Cause I wasn't aware of these things and I've been in a way for a long time. Um, so just trying to make that available so that people can, it's just another tool for their recovery. And we were really clear that this website is not part of overeaters anonymous because, you know, they say that you can't have any outside affiliations and this is just, it's not, this is just a resource. It's not, another organization and it's not affiliated with OA. But we are we service the OP, OA people. Right. That's how I see AA beyond belief. It's a it's a community of people who go to AA secular AA meetings, but it's not an official AA group or or, rep, or is a representative of AA or anything. But I want to ask you a question which is kind of off topic, but it's kind of, it's always kind of fascinated me. So I've got a friend here in central Missouri and she is a member of Gray Sheeters in um, Jefferson City. And she was wanting to start a secular gray sheet meeting and was having some difficulty with that over here. But she was telling me the story. Did gray sheeters split from OA? Is there a, what was the story behind that? Or am I confusing that with something else? Well, I, I started out um, in 1988 in something that's called how. Okay. Uh, honest, open, and willing from the big book. And they had the gray sheet. Um, I, the first meeting I went to before that had the gray sheet. I think it was blue by 1988. And there was a real struggle in um, OA about whether you would require a particular food plant. Oh, that's right. That's what it was. I forgot. That's right. And so the resolution, as I understand it, and my sponsor was talking about, is we both spent, I spent 16 years in the How version. There was kind of some people following the how, gray sheet, blue sheet, this is the food plan, this is the way you do it, split off. But OA itself has said that they won't require a specific food plan. And there's a, there's a pamphlet that proposes dignity of choice, several alternatives. You'd work it out with a nutritionist. 
Uh, interesting. Step two, uh, Jenny, in that original um, Roseanne steps was you meet with a doctor and you figure out a food plan. That was her 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 uh, second step. But anyhow, so there are people who are still take that approach, um, but they can't require a food plan. So it kind of splits. Some left and some stayed in. And 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 you know it's funny. I you know again this goes back to the difference between food and booze. Having had I don't know some experience with both. Um, you have in in OA you develop a food plan that works for you. Whereas in alcohol, you know, it's not like you decide, well, I'll have only one beer a day, right? Or I can have a glass of wine twice a day, but not a glass. You know, they, that's usually described as the, you know, the last step before you hit the, the floor at the bottom. But with food, in a way, so long as you, the idea is you come up with some plan that works for you and, and try and follow that. You develop it with a nutritionist, with your sponsor. You take one out of the pamphlet might be low carbs, not three, three meals. Many people are just three meals a day, nothing in between. Um, and so there is this thing in OA that's, you know, I don't know if it's different than A, but where you have to, my sponsor says, what works for you? You have to figure out what works and do that. But because it's food, you do have to, it's, you have to, there's a little art to that, you know, deciding we have we talk about red light foods yellow light foods green light foods like a red light you can't ever eat it yellow foods sometimes you can but you got to be careful green lights you can almost eat as much as you want although those of us have been around for a while know that it's possible to get i i once had so many carrots in my diet that my skin (laughs) my skin my skin turned orange i had what's called carotene poisoning (laughs) fortunately it's not harmful but i I had an orange, I was orange for a little while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can, you can eat too many of the green light foods also. Yeah. The definition of like being sober in OA, it's, you know, reframing from compulsive food behaviors. And that could just, you know, be individual. I know like this one woman who chewed gum all the time, you know, and it was like the sugar-free kind and her guts were just being like torn apart and it was just chomp, chomp, chomp. I mean, people, you know, could be, and that's and that's what her absence is. You know, she doesn't yeah. chew gum anymore. Um, so, and I don't eat sugar anymore. You know, that's it's just like there are things that that's like an alcohol uh, an alcoholic food. But it but it gets us. I, mean, I was writing that little list. For you, uh, it, it's you don't get as high. I wouldn't say from overeating, but you really get crazy weird. You know, you eat yourself into a stupor. I remember one time eating stale uh, tortilla chips at a Mexican restaurant with my wife. We were watching the football game or something. And I ate so many of those things that I came home and threw up and threw myself into atrial fibrillation because you can, there's something about the vagus nerve and your gullet and stuff. You you, you get hot, you get into a stupor. We call it oftentimes a food coma. And I had a guy who was telling me, you know, he was that way for two years in his basement, having pizza brought in every day, watching TV, binge watching Netflix, got to put on 100 pounds. You know, my first couple of years in the program, I had a good friend um, who went to AA meetings and also OA. And but his primary addiction was food. And I ended up um, living with him for a little while. And so I got to I got to understand him and his and his addiction pretty well. And it was, I don't know, it was, it was a good experience. I'm glad I had that experience of getting to know him and, and appreciating 
what he was dealing with, but it was a very, very serious problem, um, life-threatening problem. And, uh, it was, but he, he, he's doing well now. He ended up getting married and having, he's doing great. But I, I was with him during those very early days of his recovery. And for people who are listening, you know, my dad got sober in AA, saved his life, changed his life. And he went periodically to OA at the urging of his wife, who was also his pigeon or whatever the case, you know, his sponsee, not supposed to do that in AA. And he could not deal with the food. He died of a heart attack weighing 270 pounds. And I just want to, I, I know from, there are so many people in our OA meetings that are also in AA or for whom they started off in AA and they go to OA. I just really want to invite, you know, people who may be in AA, that's their primary or their initial addiction to just, you know, that they're welcome. It's okay to, it's okay if you feel like you're really an alcoholic and you just want to check it out or something like that. It's there. Well, you know, when I, when I posted the website on our Facebook group, it, a lot of people were interested. I mean, it's a, there's a lot of members, um, in our Facebook group who are overeaters as well as alcoholics. It's, I think it's pretty common. And now there's secular overeaters. <laughs> well, thanks for the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> when you were talking about this, how um, they didn't like you reading those other steps, it frustrates me a little bit that they lack the imagination or, th- or thought that there's a, there's a way of another way of communicating the same principles and action, you know, because that has always frustrated me with the people who are, give us a hard time. And there's not that many of them anymore, but it's like, you know, we're doing the same damn thing. We're just explaining it differently. You know what we got now, here's the thing is that I thought that OA and AA were the same. And I thought that, you know, the way they, their organizational structure and stuff. And I thought that OA was like the little sister, you know, that's what I kind of figured. Yeah. You know, that you just copied it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I found out, I found out that AA is actually a little more flexible about stuff. You know, for them, anybody who wants to be a meeting is a meeting. That's part of your tradition three. Um, and tradition four, group conscience decides, you know, how you're going to run a group and what you do. In OA, um, you're, the group conscience is, you know, yeah, the meetings have some control, but the ultimate control are these trustees there are like nine of them i think who are at the top even though they're supposed to be at the bottom of the food chain they're at the top and they've been selected you know by the membership at large to represent our group conscience so it's like these nine people who are making these decisions for like everybody but i mean it doesn't probably come up that often but you know what they said was is that you are harming oa as a whole um, by using these other steps and, oh, well, you know, and then people were saying like, well, what if some group wanted to, you know, say the Lord's prayer during the meeting? And I'm like, well, then use group conscience. You know, if like everybody in the group says, let's use the Lord's prayer, then fine. Have a meeting that says we use the Lord's prayer. If everybody in the meeting says we want to read alternative steps, then you vote on that. And then you do that and you advertise it. You let people know that, you know, before they get in there, this is going to be a little different. Um, but they wouldn't go for that. They're just, you're basically, we are going to take down the whole freaking OA structure by using these alternative steps. You know, never mind that we'd been working, using them for three and a half years and nothing had blown up yet. I'm furious. Can you tell? I can tell. No, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it irritates me too, because it's just like, they, it just bothers me that they just can't see 
that they can't appreciate it. I, I would think that they would appreciate the, the diversity, you know, the diversity of thought. But anyway. Well, but the I, other thing is, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me just I, uh, oh, go ahead, get finish yours and let me then go after. Okay. Go I just wanted to say that for me, the bottom line is recovery or should be recovery. And if this is what some people need to recover, then you shouldn't be standing in their way because there are so many people who are not coming to OA because of the God thing. I mean, I almost, you know, it took me 25 years to get here because of that. And I'm just lucky that I got that desperate. So to give a, you know, a little other perspective, the trustees aren't paid. <laughs> in other words, they're, these are volunteers who kept the system that got me, you know, I, although I had, I've struggled with um, what we call abstinence, um, you know, probably a half of the time of those 30 something years I've been eating rationally and it kept me from going above like two thirty. Um, and it's, they're just people and, but they're not, they haven't had to deal with us because we have been, we've fled mainly, <laughs> you know, and so now we're coming back in and like, we had a recent interaction where, with a trustee where she said that the word secular was an outside issue and therefore couldn't be discussed at an OA meeting, you know? And now at the same time, they have a drop down on the main OA site, which lists atheist and agnostic meetings. So they're not, and they've always been there. So it's, you know, it's a, a group of people who are as volunteers working hundreds of hours to keep this ship afloat for a long time. And yeah, we're, we're, they have to figure out how to deal with us. And they're, you know, they're not, doing it perfectly smoothly my apologies jenny they you know they treated that I would. and and i'm a guy who's i suffered from this as i won't say as comparative but it kept it kept a lot of it, it made my life my life was worse for those 32 years because there wasn't a secular alternative and nobody told me that there was or that it would be okay not to worry about believing in god or if the higher power really was just my group and you didn't like graduate from having your higher powers, the group to actually believing in God. You just stayed with the fact that this is a peer supported group of people who have a similar problem and we're going to help each other work through it. Anyhow. You know what I find kind of funny about that word secular? Um, so here, here in KC, um, there were some people in our, when we were starting a group, there were some people in our um, inner group who didn't like the, because to, to, at that time we were calling our, our meetings agnostic meetings. And they didn't like that because they said, well, that's like having a Baptist meeting or that's like having, you know, a, a different sort of meeting. Okay. So, that, so now, but now everybody's very happy with the word secular, but to me, and that's great, but to me, it's like, okay, so if you're going to say that our groups or our meetings are secular, then by, that's by admission that your meetings are not secular and therefore are religious, you know? So it's like, you actually have the choice now between a secular meeting or a non-secular meeting. And the non-secular meeting, of course, are those that are praying and so forth. So I just find it funny because it's kind of like an admission, but I'm never going to say that, although they might hear it now, but that's always <laughs> my opinion. Well, it's, we're, we're still going through the, because the largest group actually predated either Jenny or me on Sunday morning, there's a telephone group for unconventional spirituality. And most all the people in there are, as far as I can tell, are atheists or agnostics. But when they set up their meeting, they didn't have that choice as a way to identify. And so they, the best they could come up with was to call themselves a, in the spirituality category, 
but unconventional. And they have by far the largest number of people. I think their mailing list is like 200 and they've been going for 10 years. And it's very much a secular meeting. And yet there's a little bit of a struggle as to what, you know, should we call ourselves unconventional spirituality or secular or free thinkers? Or and although we've got the website now, which they have to deal with a little bit, um, it's that there's still that tension around what we what we call ourselves, just as you you're talking about now with secular and AA, even though you've come a long way, there, there, there isn't really a perfect word, you know, that's going to do the job. So um, to wind things up, I guess, where do you see this going post COVID? Do you think that do you think the secular meetings, the secular OA meetings in particular, you're going to have more of them? Or are you going to have like the hybrid zoom in-person meetings? What do you think? I think that we're going to have more meetings and then they're going to be Zoom. I think that it's very hard, you know, because we're, we're a smaller population. It's hard to get a critical mass in order to have a face-to-face meeting. So I think that these meetings are going to continue. I know my two Freethinker meetings initially had said that they wanted to go hybrid. I know personally, I don't know if I'm ever going to want to drive to a meeting again, you know, and maybe I will, maybe I won't. But um, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, it is convenient, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I've, partially this is from reading your own uh, Facebook and website and stuff. Um, there is a, a desire for people to have face-to-face, um, for some people at least, to have face-to-face meetings. And we started out, the first meeting I set up, um, I and another sponsor, Linda S., who should be get props, um, with, um, Sue J, um, was a face-to-face meeting. As Jenny said, it was like four people, six people, eight people tops. And now we routinely have 20, 2025. So I assume that some places, probably particularly urban areas, probably Northeast, West Coast, you know, there may be some face-to-face secular meetings. And, but most of the meetings that we've set up now we got people from Europe, from the West Coast, from the East Coast, you know, and you can't meet in person. It's not an option. And I would assume that those will continue to continue to meet. So it'll be a question of how many new face-to-face meetings or new hybrid meetings come out of it. But I think that most all the uh, internet meeting based meetings will, will continue. And I want to say that one of the things that we built into secular overeaters is that, we have a Zoom account. We wa- wanted to make sure that there would be a place where, you know, Zoom meetings would be able to meet because it's hard to come up with like, you know, $149 to get your own account for a whole year. So we're offering like free slots to um, secular OA meetings. And, you know, we're having people take us up on that and because we want to make sure that there's a way that this continues. Um, what? Go ahead. Go ahead. One of them in Germany. Yeah. And yeah. we have one in Canada. You know, I wanted, we didn't mention this earlier, but that discussion group is called uh, OA Secular Forum at, at gmail.com. Uh, and if somebody sends a letter, uh, an email to that address, you'll get an invitation from Arlene uh, O, who is the you know, essentially one of the very big in that conventional unconventional Sunday meeting, but has really been an important leader in the work that we're doing, doing here as well. But that's a way to 
connect. I'll be sure to put that in the, the show notes when we publish this. And there is another website for people who are trying to be, if you're in OA and you want to have just a clean sort of secular thing um, called uh, secularoa.org. But so just like Jenny said, the, the secular overeaters has all the secular resources. The other one is a more narrow one that we can use in an OA setting and not have to worry about somebody coming after us because we're referring to don't, don't tell or do not tell. And it's a woman named Vicki who really created that, who deserves a lot of props also. But of all the things that we've mentioned, the simplest way to get connected is to go to secularovereaders.org. When we post this podcast, which will be at the end of December, I'm going to also at the same time do like a video screen captured, taking people on a tour of this website because <laughs> I like it so much. And I kind of get a kick out of doing that kind of stuff. I just did. I did something like that fairly recently. So but it's a really great site. And, you know, when I was re- when I was going through it, too, I could tell I could tell that you were you were being careful not to identify it as official, you know, Overeaters Anonymous and, you know, calling it Secular Overeaters and Friends. It's just, it's just a beautiful site. It's got a lot of great information on there. You did a really good job with that, Jenny. Really did. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I mean, I had a lot of help. We had um, a lot of editors and, you know, web people. We, Jim and I are like on this team with Matt and Mark and Arlene and Alan, you know, who kind of started like, let's do this. And we did fundraising and, um, we have, you know, Laura, who's in charge of our, you know, Zoom rooms and um, just, I can't even remember everybody's name yeah. right now, but we've got like, a, there are a lot of people who have participated. I kind of did like the wrangling and getting people in and also have a background in editing and in web design. So, you know, this is like, and I'm retired. So this is like a perfect project for me. And another thing that um, I really like about it is the artwork, which is all, um collage stuff about um you know going through 12-step programs by right now we just have four different artists up there but um i I don't know i just was over the sunsets you know (laughs) so it is nice well i am gonna do that so thank you both so much it was a great it was great experience speaking with you and i'm glad that i um discovered the site and i'm glad that i got to um talk to you finally jenny after these years, <laughs> you know, and, uh, it's, um, it's cool. I'm glad that I'm glad that we're um, able to reach out to people that are looking for a secular path to their recovery. I, I just wanted, before you close, I just wanted to, um, really give a shout out though to AA because when I was, when we were going through this delisting process, I was contacting different, you know, secular groups in my area. There are six, um, AA free thinker meetings in San Francisco. And I visited all of them. They shared their scripts with me, shared their practices. And um, locally, there's like the um, godless heathens, you know, in AA. And it's just been, they, everybody's been so like warm and welcoming. And, you know, and just, I don't know, all the literature that, you know, has been done by AA Agnostica and I'm still unclear about how you got, you know, the two different websites, but um, (laughs) anyway, all of you have really, you know, been there and, you know, showed us a path. So I just really appreciate it. Ditto props to props to you personally, John, and all the people associated with AA Beyond Belief and AA Agnostica and the IC 
SAA or wherever you say it, the convention folks. Um, I'm looking forward to the the first in-person, um, the next in-person conference is going to be in Bethesda, which is right down the I can walk to the hotel where it's going to be. And I'm looking forward to when the virtual one is done because it's kind of driving me crazy. Anyway, <laughs> it'll be fun, though. I posted that to our discussion group that, you know, for people to come, particularly the history session I'm very interested. Yes, in that. that'll be, that's an excellent panel, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I, that's going to be really amazing. Yeah, and the panel with uh, Mario Hornbacher will be really good too. I mean, there's some really great panels on that. There's no doubt about, it. I'm kind of joking about waiting for it to be done because the organizing of it is a lot of, uh, and it was all last minute too. It was like, we just put the schedule together literally last night. What is her, her name again? I'm terrible with name. Hornbacher. Mar- that, Maria Hornbacher. That was another one because I've run into her in your various websites and stuff, her work. And um, partially because, you know, she comes from an eating disorder background. I put that out in a number of the women on the, um, in particular, on the discussion group. We're looking forward to that session on gender bias and so forth. I'm a big fan of hers. Her writing is really, really, really good. And she is a very nice person. I just like her very much. So anyway, she, that'll be a good panel. And we're, all that's going to be recorded, too. So if you miss it, it'll be there later. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it. That's another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you would like to support our website and podcast, there's a couple of things you can do. We're, we're starting to get active on Patreon now. So if you want to become a patron, go on over to AA Beyond, no, patreon.com slash AA Beyond Belief and become a patron. And what I'm doing is I'm posting little uh, special videos just for patrons. Um, it's like Nothing special, but a little little, little, little perk, I guess. <laughs> and you can also become a member of our YouTube channel and kind of get the same kind of perks. But uh, we would appreciate it if you can help. If not, that's okay, too. We'll be back again real soon with another episode. And thank you very much, Jenny and Jim. It was a pleasure speaking with you both. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it.